when thinking about art, artists, many names I'm sure automatically pop into our heads. Men and women of renown that have been planted in the bedrock of culture. Names like Picasso, Leonardo da Vinci, Rembrandt. These men, these artists were so masterful at their profession that they left behind a legacy. Among these amazing artists is another legend named Michelangelo. Michelangelo was known for many different paintings, but two of his most famous portraits were the Sistine Chapel, which was designed on the ceiling of the Vatican. The second may be lesser known, but just as famous, not a painting on a canvas, but a sculpture of King David. This sculpture of David was originally commissioned as one of a series of statues of prophets to be positioned along the roof line of the east end of Florence Cathedral. But because of how beautiful and how breathtaking it was, instead it was placed in a public square outside the seat of civic government in Florence. David, the sculpture is a masterpiece of Renaissance created in marble between the years 1501 and 1504. And this statue was created out of a 17-foot slab of marble. That's what perhaps most of us know, but the history of this statue begins way before Michelangelo's involvement in it. The overseers of the Office of Works of Florence Cathedral had plans to commission a series of 12 large Old Testament sculptures. In the year 1410, Donatello created the first of the statues. It was the figure of Joshua. Eager to continue their project in 1464, the overseers constructed and contacted Augustino to create a sculpture of King David. A block of marble was provided from Tuscany, but 
Augustino only got as far as beginning to shape the legs and the feet. His association with the project ceased for reasons unknown. Ten years go by. Antonio Rossellini was commissioned to take up where Augustino had left off. But Rossellini's contract was terminated soon thereafter and the block of marble remained neglected for 26 years. The overseers by now were determined to find an artist who could take the large piece of marble turn it into a finished work of art. So they ordered the block of stone which they called the giant so that a master experienced in this kind of work might examine it and express an opinion after seeing it. Leonardo da Vinci and others were consulted but at the end of the day, it was Michelangelo, only 26 years old, who convinced the board that he deserved a shot. So they took this massive piece of marble slab, aired it to the studio where Michelangelo would begin to shape what we know as the sculpture of David. It stayed in his studio for many weeks. Somehow, unknown as to how, but somehow a prince got the news and word that Michelangelo was the one that was given the responsibility to make this sculpture. So this prince, wanting to see a master at his work, flew to Michelangelo's studio. Michelangelo would, would take a stool to sit on and would place it in the middle of the floor. And hours at a time, day after day, without carving anything in the slab, without taking a chisel, without taking a hammer, he would sit on this stool and just stare at this 17-foot marble slab. The prince would accompany Michelangelo day after day, but, but one day curiosity got the best of this prince as he looked at Michelangelo who's just sitting there. No hammer, no chisel, nothing to carve out what would eventually become a king. He just sat there and stared at the slab. So the prince asked him one day, Michelangelo, what exactly are you doing? 
Very slowly, Michelangelo lifted up his head, looked in the eyes of the prince, and gave this answer. I'm working. To the prince who's not been in the room every day with Michelangelo, it looks strange. To the prince that doesn't know the heartbeat of the painter, it looks strange. To the prince who has stayed on the outside only hearing about what's going on on the inside without being part of what's going on on the inside. It looks strange. But to Michelangelo, who's been in the room, who's done this before, who's created something out of nothing prior, to him, it's not strange because those on the outside will never understand the feeling and the spirit of those on the inside. Those that just hear about it but never participate, it will always look strange. But those who's been there day after day, and week after week, and month after month, and year after year, it's not strange. Michelangelo understands what I'm doing now will eventually bring a king. You just missed it. What I'm doing now will eventually cause a king to show up. Prince, you can stare all you want to. You can doubt. You can question if I know what I'm doing all you wish. But the difference in me and you, you've never been here. I have. You've never done this. I have. You've just heard stories about it, but I'm the one that's been writing the stories. And I understand what may look strange to you. Eventually, there will be a king that comes from this strange action. The church that was bought by the blood of Jesus, the church that was formed by his spirit in Acts chapter 2 can be summed up in just three words. At the conclusion of that chapter, the Bible says, and they continued. They didn't do something different. They didn't do something. They didn't come up with new programs and new ideas. They just did what worked before. Those on the outside may question. Those on the outside may wonder. Those on the outside may say do something different. But there's a difference in those on the outside and those on the inside. I preached to two 
new sector of people today. I preach to those of you who were born in this, and I preach to those of you who know nothing about this. When I say born in this, I don't mean a natural birth. I mean a spiritual birth. You know about the Holy Ghost. You know about prayer. You know about worship. You know about hand clapping and out running and foot stomping. But there's another part of you. You ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. You've just heard stories and you're in here. Come on. And you, you've occupied the place of the prince and you're wondering, are they really going on in revival? Have they not had enough of revival? Is two weeks done? Are they really continuing this thing? It makes no sense to you. You don't understand why we're in church three days a week. Come on, because some of you won't even come but once a week. It's strange to you, but those on the inside, we understand there's a king coming from this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. No personal agendas. No alternative motives. Come on, they had all things common. There was only one thing on their mind, Holy Ghost. One thing on their mind, revival. One thing on their mind, turning the city and the world upside down. And after they did, and they continued. I'll just keep staring at it because what looks strange to you, uh, you don't understand. I'm working on something. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting because unity is always the welcome mat for the supernatural. Don't sing Jesus, you are welcome here if you don't have one language and one speech. Don't act like Jesus is welcome here if you're not together and you can't join hands. Come on, they came to that city and they came rejoicing and they came worshiping and they came praising. It may look strange to those who've never worshiped before. It may look odd to those who've never praised before. But for those of us who are born in the fire, for those of us that when the doctor could not fix us, worship fixed us. And when the the psychiatrist cannot heal us. Praise healed us. We understand it's not strange. We're working on a king coming. You see, I may... I may look at a football game considering I've never been to one and see that massive crowd regardless of who's got the ball screaming 
at the top of their lungs for the possibility and the hope that their team will win. Regardless of the score, they're cheering on their team, hoping, believing, wanting their team to win. I may look at that and think, that's strange. To act like that, hoping you're going to win, but not knowing if you're going to win. But what's stranger to me than that is when I come to church. And we know who's going to win. And some of you won't do nothing. That's strange to me. I know my Redeemer liveth. See, right now, some of you just staring at me because you're the prince. You ain't got a clue what's going on. David is the one that said, don't do it, but David is the one that said, clap your hands. A-L-L. You need the Hebrew definition of all. All means everybody. Hold on. Wait. David is often found in Scripture talking about clapping. He was adamant about clapping. Now, those of you that never done it, you think it's strange. Now, you can clap for your ball team who's, who's going to lose this afternoon, but you can't clap for Jesus. So I begin to study one day, what is the deal with it? What? Why is David so adamant about expressing your worship through the sound of hands clapping? And I found in my study that David thought hand clapping sounded like chains falling. So those of you that's never been set free, it's strange to you. But those of us who can testify, he that the Son is set free. Every time you clap your hands, you're reminding the devil, I'm free. I'm loosed. I've been set free. It's not strange. There's a king coming from this. Yeah. 
I just, I just, I just, I just wonder who put it in your thinking that coming to church, you're supposed to be quiet. Something was mentioned yesterday from my daughter about people falling asleep in church. I said, the only reason people fall asleep in church is if the church is boring. What's happened in the religious mindset of America that when you go to sporting events, you're supposed to be loud and obnoxious and crazy. But when you come to church, you're supposed to reverence. Maybe you ain't been reading your Bible like you should. The book said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Show me where to be quiet. See, shouting to people who've never shouted seems weird. It's strange to the prince because they've never been there before. They don't know what Michelangelo is doing. But those of us who've lived in the confines of walls, walls of failure and walls of mistakes and walls of sin and every time we marched around the walls quiet they kept on standing ask the children of Israel if shouting is a strange thing they'll tell you no as long as we were quiet the walls stayed up as long as we didn't say a word the walls stayed up as long as we kept our mouth shut the walls stayed up but the moment we got loud the moment we opened our mouth what had us bound what held us back began it's not strange to us who's walking on our walls Come on, I tell you what, we need Pentecost. And they continued. Just keep on clapping. Just keep on shouting. Just keep on praying. Just keep on believing. Just keep on working. There's a king coming from this. strange to those of you who's never done it 
this. Standing. We really got to stand to praise the Lord. Can't I just sit here and praise the Lord? I've had people literally tell me that. I've had people literally get in my face and tell me, I don't have to stand to praise the Lord. Hmm. I can show you in Scripture when Nehemiah, after building the walls, that had been torn down by the enemy, begin to open the book, begin to read to the congregation about the goodness of the Lord. And he made this statement. I can show you. If you don't believe me, I'll show you after church. He, he made the statement, stand up and bless the Lord. I can just sit here and pray. I'm sorry. Praise is not a democracy. You don't get a vote in how you respond to God's goodness. You do what the Bible says. And the Bible said, stand up and bless the Lord. And the Bible said, clap your hands all your people. And the Bible said, shout unto God with the voice. I'm not doing something different. I'm just continuing. If what they did brought the Holy Ghost in, then us continuing that will bring the Holy Ghost now. Just continue. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They didn't say it's a new day. A new generation. To reach this society, you got to bend and blend with them. No, you know what they did? They continued. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you. You need a Hebrew definition of everyone? All. In the name of Jesus Christ. What's so hard to understand about that? <laughs> they continued in fellowship. They continued in breaking bread and in prayers. And because they continued, fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done. Don't be asking God for wonders and signs if you're not continuing. 
Because the only way a king shows up is, is if you just keep doing what you've always done. You just keep working. The prince may question it. The prince may doubt it. The prince may wonder if you know what you're doing. The prince may wonder if you've lost your mind. But baby, he's not been here. You have. And all that believed were together. And had all things. When, when they were building the Tower of Babel, the Bible said that, that their motives was to make a name for themselves. It was selfish indulgence. It was what can I get out of it? You know what some people's made the church into? What can I get out of it? They had the wrong attitude. They had the wrong motive. They had the wrong spirit. But the Bible said that God, who's sitting on his throne in heaven, looked down at these people who's got the wrong spirit, the wrong attitude, the wrong motive, and God said nothing that they imagined to do will be impossible. That means God said all they have to do is think about it. Just imagine it. Because Scripture says the whole earth was of one language, one speech. There was not multiple languages. There was one. There was not English and Spanish and Japanese and Russian. There was one, the whole earth, one language. And so because everybody talked the same and thought the same and worked for the same goal, God said nothing they imagined to do would be impossible. So the only way God says I can stop this from being accomplished is I've got to mess up their language. I've got to confuse the people that they don't understand one another. I've got to bring it to where they don't talk alike and they don't look alike and they don't think alike and they don't, they don't, their, their motives are not the same. So God came down and messed up their languages. Folks, if an unholy unity can get God's attention, what can a holy unity do? So, so, so hear me, hear me. In Genesis 11, God dispersed the language. And so now in, in, now in our world, we got multiple languages. That's why when I go overseas, I need someone to interpret for me. Or when I preach in a Spanish church, I need someone to interpret for me. Because God did that. God messed up the languages. But God is not the author of confusion. So what God does, 
us is in Acts chapter 2. He sends forth the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hold on. And the Bible said that those who got the Holy Ghost walked on the outside and began to speak. And those on the outside began to ask each other, how is it that you are speaking our language? What God dispersed in Genesis 11, he brought back together by the infilling of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. That means when you get the Holy Ghost, like I got the Holy Ghost, nothing will be impossible that we imagine to do. We got to talk alike. We got to work alike. We got to have the same motivation. never understand Holy Ghost filled people that don't act like they got the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you sit on the front row. I need to ask you, if you ain't moving, what kind of Holy Ghost do you got? Because the kind of Holy Ghost I got came with fire. You don't have the Holy Ghost, I know. It's strange to you, I get it. We're oddballs to you, I get it. You can go cheer on your sports team, it's strange to me, but, but, but whatever, whatever. To each his own, I get if If you don't know the value of worship, I understand you not worshiping. But if God's healed you, if God's blessed you, if God's answered your prayer, opened a door, made a way out of no way, gave you the Holy Ghost, forgive you of your sins, and your response is to just sit there, you need to explain to me what you're doing. talks about a day when, when, when the tribe of Judah, they were, they were encamped by the enemy. And the enemy built, built, built some walls around them that they couldn't escape. The Bible said none went out, which is good, but none, none came in, which is bad. And so the king of Judah sees this walls that were built they, and, and they, they, they wasn't finished building the walls and, and the Bible said that, that, that Judah began to fight back against the enemy and the enemy the enemy left off building the walls they didn't they did not knock down what they had already built they just did not build it any higher and so the king of Judah looks at these walls and it's not enough that the enemy left off building the walls. 
It's not enough that the walls are not bigger than they are. It's not enough that the finished work was not done. The problem is there's still some fingerprints of the enemy. There's walls still there that the enemy put. God didn't put them there. The enemy put them there. And so the king of Judah got all of Judah together to, to, to take down the walls that the enemy had built. And the Bible says none was exempted. Which means if you belong to Judah, it didn't matter how young you are or how old you are. If you belong to Judah and you wanted the walls to be removed, you had to take the responsibility on your shoulders to take them away for yourself. You're badly mistaken if you belong to Star City Church and you come with the attitude, I'll let the young people worship. I'll let the evangelists preach his guts out. I'll let the Robinsons do. No, if you belong to Judah, if you belong to Star City, none is exempted from responsibility. How do we do this? How do we take the walls down? You just continue in the same fashion that the scripture says. You just, every time walls fell, Judah was involved. I'm not, I'm not worried about the outside people. Looking at us, saying, so you was in revival for two weeks, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night. For two weeks, you went to church eight times in two weeks when some come to church two times in a year. See, those Easter Sunday and Christmas Sunday only folk who think they're saved, because America tells them they are if they come to church just on Sundays. Can you tell I'm getting really, really sick of that stuff? I don't, I don't, them looking at us strange, okay. Because they've never been here. They, they have no clue. What bothers me is those of us who have been here. But we're not as faithful as we should be. We look at it as strange. Point, point, point proven. One of the revivals, we, we went six weeks in in California. He did Sunday, I mean he did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. For six weeks. The first two weeks, he kept he kept making the statement behind the pulpit that every pastor he's talking to about doing this, they're saying, Oh, you're doing it the old way. It ticked me off. And I told the church, I said, Look, it's only owed to those who never do it. 
So that book said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And now when we go on in revivals, we got Holy Ghost filled people saying, that's the old way. No, 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 no. It's not the old way. No, it's, it's the only way. It's not the old way. You know what we're doing? We're continuing. When they prayed in that upper room, it was a seven-day prayer meeting. All we're doing, we're continuing. We're going on. We're not giving up. We're not giving in. It may look strange to some of you, but to those of us who've been here, there's a king coming from this slab. There's a king coming from what you call strange. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They never left where it all happened. They just continued. But now we got people beating the air trying to figure out how to have revival. How do we grow a church? How? What? And so we got, we got people reading books from people that don't even believe what we believe. Trying to find answers from them when the answer is. And they continue. It only looks strange to people who stop continuing. They stopped continuing because they thought there was an easier way, an easier path, an easier avenue. And for those of us who have stayed continuing, we look strange to them. Because we're still having what they thought they would have if they stopped continuing. And they can't figure it out in their, in their idemic nature, in their fleshly mindset. How in the world is praying still the answer? How is hand clapping still the answer? Let me tell you, the only reason prayer doesn't work, the only prayer that doesn't work is the one you don't pray. The only worship that doesn't get the job done is the worship you refuse to give God. The only praise that doesn't give you your breakthrough is the praise you refuse to give God. And they, that's all Michelangelo did. He continued. He just kept doing what he did day after day. Week after week, month after month, and now, and now we have a sculpture of King David that many has visited, and many has repainted, and many has written stories and books about, all because one man just kept doing what everybody else thought was strange. So, 
So, so, you, so some of you, you can call us strange all you want to. There will be a day you'll write books about us. I thought they were crazy when, when, when that evangelist was yelling at the top of his lungs. I'm used to quiet and, and settled preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm used to television evangelists who only want your money and nothing else. But, but, but my God, that, 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 that kid was, was on to something when he said leaping would give you joy and clapping sounded like chainsaw and shutting broad walls. Once you do it, baby, don't knock it till you try it. And don't you knock my praise until you've heard my story. Because you don't know like I know what the Lord's done for me. And when I think of what he's done, I can't help but to do a little jumping. I can't help but to do a little shout. I just can't help but to get my praise going. Remain standing, lift up your hands, lift up your voice, everybody. Come on, to be continued. That's what this church is. It's just a to be continued church. <laughs> 